If there's a verse in the Bible that is your go-to verse, it comes back again and again and again, or it might speak to your life, give you direction, there's something about that verse that you can't run away from. And I want to share my life verse to begin uh, the series, and this is my personal life verse. I'll share some verses, life verses for families and for work and some other things, and some of the staff will come up and share their life verses over the next several weeks. But we're going to share our life verses with you, and I want to share mine today, and it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So you can turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and there's three verses uh, that I have chosen, and I believe that the Lord is speaking loud and clear to me, and today... I'm going to share my journey with you so that you can understand why these verses mean so much to me. But they're not just written to me or to the Thessalonians, they're written to you as well. And so we're going to look at that together. My life verse is 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That is it. This is a passage of scripture that gives three very distinct commands that actually go against every natural inclination we have. And it's the duty of the Christian. It's the call of the Christian. This is what Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, these are the things that have to mark your life. And Paul uses the aorist imperative in the Greek, which is a verb that is happening now and will continue to happen. So he's saying, I want you to be joyful now and always pray now and always and be thankful now and always. I like looking at other uh, versions of the Bible and to see what it, it says. And so in the message, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Cheer, be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. In the J.B. Phillips translation, which is actually called uh, the New Testament in modern English, J.B. Phillips translates it this way. Be happy in your faith at all times. Never stop praying. Be thankful whatever the circumstances may be. If you allow, or excuse me, if you follow this advice, you will be working out the will of God expressed to you in Jesus Christ. I want to look at these three commands and talk about our lives and, and how it fits, but the first thing I want to talk about is that first statement, that first command that Jesus gives, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Did you know that 2 Thessalonians 5.16, that verse, always be joyful, is actually the shortest verse in the Bible? We think that it's John 11.35, Jesus wept, because in the English, that is the shortest verse in the Bible. But the New Testament was written in Greek, and so this is actually the shortest verse letter count wise in the New Testament. Always be joyful. Now why is this important? The reason it's important to receive this command is because your natural inclination, my natural inclination in a fallen world, in a messed up world, our natural response to life is usually sadness. That, that we don't usually gravitate toward joy first. In fact, if you spend the day watching the news, and who even needs to watch the news, just look at our lives sometimes. I mean, the natural inclination is to be sad. But the problem with sadness is that it can become overwhelming very quickly, and it can actually snowball, and it can end in, in some destructive things like depression and other things when we, when we lend ourselves to our natural inclination. And we, and we do live in a fallen world, and things are bad. But when we move towards sadness and away from joy, it will destroy our life. Joy is the mark of the Christian. 
It's the mark of Paul in his writings. And I want to talk about this because Paul says in Philippians 4.4, to rejoice in the Lord always, and then again I say rejoice. Did you know there's more commands in Scripture to be joyful than to pray? God says, I want you to be joyful no matter what. And think about Paul in Philippians here. He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. I mean, he's in a very serious moment of his life, and he's saying, I want you to rejoice, rejoice always. Never stop rejoicing. Think about the Thessalonians he's writing to. In the book of Acts, chapter 17, when Paul leaves that city after preaching the gospel and establishing the church, they start taking the Christians out of their home and beating them. And that's the people he's writing to to, to have joy. Be joyful always. I mean, how is this possible? How is it possible in the world in which we live and the circumstances we have that we can be joyful? Let me tell you the secret. Joy is never based on your circumstances. For the Christian, joy can never be based on your circumstances. It is based on the blessings that come from standing in Christ. God must be the source of your joy. In His presence, there is fullness of joy. Our salvation, our hope, everything we need is found in Christ and nothing can knock Him off the throne. And so no matter what I face, I always can be joyful. And that joy is actually a supernatural thing that happens in our life. And when the world sees us, they don't understand. They can't figure it out. What's wrong with you? And it, it both repels and attracts the, those that don't understand. I've been blessed to travel all over the world and teach and preach. And I've been to places that are extremely poor. I've been to places that are extremely persecuted. And you know what's interesting is? Is those churches, when I preach there, those churches seem to have a lot more joy than we do. And I think it's because everything's been stripped away. It's just them and God. I mean, did you see the joy on that screen when, 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 when those people got the Bible in their language? It was their words from God. They built their hope, their life on it. I want to tell you that our joy can only be found in Christ. If you're looking for it in your circumstances, it will come and go, and it probably never will stay. But our joy is based on God. Nehemiah 8.10, when the people are sorrowing, and, and Nehemiah says, no, we've got to rejoice. We've got to, we've got to have a party here. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. My hope is built in Christ. My hope, my salvation are based on the promises of God in His Word. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The firm hope of the Christian is our relationship with Christ is the knowledge that God is good and He's working out good in your life and in mine. I stand on that. I trust it. I believe and I obey. And then I see His power. I see His providence. I see His forgiveness. I see His blessing because I'm standing in that hope. And joy is the second fruit of the Spirit. Right after love, in Galatians 6.22, comes joy. Love and joy. When we're walking in the Spirit, when we have the Spirit living inside of us, the fruit that comes out is joy. And we have that on the inside. It'll come to our outer attitudes, and you'll see that fruit. We need to start looking for joy in life. What are you looking for? Are you looking for the bad things, the negative things, the sad things, or are you looking for joy? Our youngest, Mark, is our, our joy child. He's always positive. He's always looking for the good things. Last week, 
we're at a conference in Washington, D.C., and, and uh, I got to, uh, one of the days in the afternoons to take him downtown, and we were on this bus that you could hop on and hop off, and we were looking at everything, and, and it was just such a treat to be there alone with him, and, and uh, we, I knew we had an appointment that I had to get to, and um, so I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we kind of got lost in our, in our picture-taking and sightseeing, and I realized we got to get on the bus right now. And then I looked at the map, and we were nowhere near a bus stop. And I'm like, all right, uh, Mark, we got to go. And so we're running, and like, oh, man, Mark, we're going to miss the bus. And, and he goes, that's okay, Dad. That's okay. You know, Dad, walking is a lot better than riding in a bus. Walking is good for us. This is a good thing, Dad. <laughs> I'm like, Mark, you don't understand. If we don't make that bus, I'm going to have to get a taxi. And I, I don't even know how expensive it would be to, to, to get a taxi right now. Dad, a taxi? That's awesome. I've never ridden in a taxi. Yes, let's get a taxi. You know, I mean, you couldn't burst his bubble. You know, and, and what does God say? Come to me with the faith like a child. He was looking for the joy. and I'm losing my mind. And he has joy. What are you looking for? Look for the joy in life. Number two, never stop praying. Never stop praying. This is a powerful command because our first inclination, our natural inclination in a fallen world is to worry. It's, faith is not our first inclination. Our first inclination, the natural thing, is to worry. The problem with worry is when it's uncontrolled, it gets very loud and very dark very quickly. And what God is saying in this command is, is I want you to stop worrying long enough to talk and listen to me. In the fallen world in which you live, I know you're first going to go to worry, but I, I want you to first go to your knees. So what does this mean, never stop praying? Does that mean, okay, no interruptions, I'm just going to abandon everything in life, I'm just going to spend the rest of my life on my knees? Is that what Paul means here, this prayer without ceasing? And and so how does this look in our real life? Because when you hear something like this, never stop praying, it's like, Daryl, how, how am I supposed to do that? Well, here's what Paul means by that. And there's several things. First of all, he's talking about an attitude of prayer. That you're always, that, that's your first go-to thing. Your first go-to thing isn't worry, but prayer. That, it, that, that we go in faith to God. Another thing that he means is he means regular prayer. What we would consider daily prayer. That we would have regular times of prayer with God. In the Lord's Prayer, when he, he says, give us this day our daily bread, knowing, or, or Jesus desiring his disciples to come to him the next day and pray it again. So we're always praying every day in regular prayer. I believe that, that Paul's telling us to have our dependence on God. Hold on to God. Hold on to him. Put, put your hope in him. Ultimately, and I think this is one of the most important things Paul is telling us, is he's telling us that prayer is a relationship with God. It's a relationship. It's an ongoing connection. It's ongoing personal fellowship. It's being conscious, uh, conscious of his presence throughout your entire day. That I never stop praying. This relationship is so important. With all the things that are happening in basketball uh, and uh, all the signing, all the trading, all the money, everybody that's talking, I was I was harking back this week to the mid-90s and a story from Jerry Reinsdorf when he was first signing Michael Jordan to a new deal. This is before a lot of the salary caps and different things that they deal with now. But he told Michael Jordan, if this takes more than five minutes, it's taken too long. Because I'm going to take you out to dinner, I'm going to ask you one question, and then we'll be done. 
So he took Michael Jordan out to dinner and he asked him the question, Michael, what do you want? How much do you want? And Michael told him the price and he said, okay, let's see. And, and some of the other owners said, why are you doing that? Why, you, you, you don't just give them what they, weren't you going to try and get them down a little bit? Was that a bad business deal? And, and Jerry Reinsdorf said this, it wasn't about business. It was about a relationship. I think a lot of times in our prayer life, we do business with God. We say, okay, God, if you do this, I'll do that. Or if you don't do this, I won't do that. It's like a negotiating a contract. That's not how it works with God. It's about a relationship. It's about him being the father and you being his child and him loving you and, and fellowshipping with you and saying, what do you want? What do you want? I think ultimately what this means is it means don't give up praying. Never stop praying. Don't give up praying. I believe it has a lot to do with faith. If our first reaction is to go to worry, I think he's actually talking about faith and he's saying don't give up. It's very easy to give up when the circumstances look impossible. And we saw two miracles today that, that looked impossible there for a moment, but the reality is, is you never stop praying. You never give up. You just keep going. You keep that attitude of faith because God is always present and he's always listening and he's always working. When Jesus taught us about prayer in Luke chapter 18 and he tells stories and, and gives us instructions and at the end of the parable in, in Luke 18 verse 8, he says this interesting phrase, it's almost like a throwaway phrase in the words in red, but just a statement at the end of the parable, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? You've probably heard that before and you're like, what does that mean? And I believe what he's saying in the context of prayer is like, will anybody still be praying? Will, will anybody still be persevering, still believing, still having faith, even when it looks impossible? Is there anybody that's still going to be believing that I answer prayer? If there is one thing Jesus teaches us about prayer in the words in red, it's to persevere and to never, ever give up. And I believe that's what it means by saying, when it says never stop praying. Never stop praying, never give up hope. Remember who you're praying to. There's a common denominator in all of the great men and women that lived since Jesus to today. There is a key characteristic in all great men and women of God's life, and that's prayer. Every person that has done great things for God, every person that's been used by God, every person that's been close, by God, close to God is a person of prayer. And you are called to be a person of prayer. How do you do this? How do you make this a reality in your life? How do you make it practical? I'll just say this. Make room for God in your life. Make room for God. Make time to pray. And if you're not good praying by yourself, then come to a prayer meeting where you'll be praying with other people. You just to make, need to make time, make room. And I want to tell you, I've never been disappointed going to a prayer meeting. I mean, I, whether it be worship or prayer, I mean, there's just something about it. I remember we used to do these late night prayer meetings when I was a youth pastor. And we would do it like, I don't know, like 11 o'clock at night. So we'd have, we'd have you know, teacher in the day, youth group at night, and then we'd have this prayer meeting. And I'm like, why did I schedule a prayer meeting? I can barely move. I'm so tired. And every time I went, I mean, it was powerful. God spoke. I mean, did everything, you know, were the angels there all the time? You know, was it? No, it wasn't like the best thing every time, but it was the best thing for me every time. Even this last Wednesday, I had an important appointment that got canceled. And so it was Wednesday night, and, and, uh, and it's one of those things like, oh, I got a Wednesday night free. It's like, no, there's prayer. I'm going to prayer. And I'm going to tell you that there's something that happens when you pray uh, alone or pray with other people. There's something powerful 
about that. So make room for God. We call it a quiet time for a reason. It's because we don't want the world to be noisy. We want it to be quiet, us and God. And sometimes what we need to do is also pray for other people and with other people. Because sometimes it's not all about us because we're just looking at our own stuff. A lot of times we can get sad and worried and different. And sometimes we need to put our faith into somebody else's situation. So maybe somebody who can't pray for themselves and we need to intercede for them. So just be practical. Make room for God. Never stop praying. The last thing here that Paul gives us this command is be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. And, and this goes against their natural inclination to complain. See, in the world in which we live, the first response is usually complaining. And the problem with complaining is that complaining is very contagious. And I don't know about you, it's hard to be around somebody who's complaining. I don't know if, if, if you've had that experience. Sometimes it's hard to be around myself because I'm complaining too much. And I'm just like, okay, I can't even be around myself anymore. No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's toxic, but that's our natural inclination. That's usually where we go, whether it be at work or at school or in life, we just go toward complaining. But God says, I want you to be thankful in all circumstances. So what does that mean? Do we thank God for everything? I mean, what, what does it mean to be thankful? You know, the poem, we thank God for the roses and the thorns. You know, okay, I get it. But what does it really mean? Well, there's an old hymn that we often sing at, at Thanksgiving time, and I'm just going to read the verse here. But it's, Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done in whom the world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. It's a beautiful hymn. Now thank we all our God. But let me give you the context in which this hymn was written. It was written in 1636 by a German pastor named Martin Rinkhart. And it was the middle of the Thirty Year War. Not only was there war that was ravishing their town, but they had a plague that went through. And there was also a tremendous economic disaster in the middle of that time period. And in the year that he wrote this, he buried 5,000 people who lived in his city. That's an average of 15 funerals a day. And yet, in the midst of the worst year of his life, he writes, Now thank we all our God, with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way, with countless gifts of love, and still is ours today. I think this hymn alone is proof that Thanksgiving doesn't come from the circumstances around us. See, evil doesn't come from God. Those things that are terrible in our world, it says in 1 John 1, 5, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. When God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 1 and, and beyond that, all of that, he says, it's good. God has given us every good and perfect gift. And yet we live in this fallen world and God says, I still want you to give me thanks in the middle of all your circumstances. Why? Because God is still at work 
in the middle of your circumstances. Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. It says, and we know that in all things God works for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I am thankful for the presence of God in my life, that he is at work to do something good, that when I place my life in his hand, no matter how ugly, no matter how beaten up, no matter how much sin, there's nothing irredeemable in his hand. He is the great redeemer. He can take whatever I'm going through and turn it around for good. And that my eternity, my hope, my, my, my God, it's set forever because he loves me. I can be thankful that God holds me in his hand and will never let go. And I believe that thankfulness is the key characteristic of the Christian life. A couple years ago, in 2012, I began uh, in, in my journal journaling every day uh, something that I'm thankful for. And I've done that every day for the past two years. And I looked back this week, and it's been quite a, quite a journey as I looked. And there were some days where there wasn't, there wasn't much there. Remember one day I wrote, I'm thankful this day is over and I'm going to bed. And that was, that was my entry for that day. And I remember that day very well. And then there's other days that I start writing things I'm thankful for and I can't stop and I just keep going because those days I just see it. But I want to tell you it's powerful to review because it immediately begins to change your heart. There's something about thankfulness that transforms you. Eugene Cho said, the secret to being grateful is no secret at all. You choose to be grateful, then you do it again and again every day. We choose to be thankful. As we close, there's one more line to my life verse, and that is, this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. God says, this is my will for your life. I believe that every follower of Jesus wants to know God's will for their life. That every Christian has some point, at some point been perplexed by the will of God. What's the will of God for my life? And I know there's a lot of specific things that God has called you to do. He's equipped you to do. But I want to tell you, you have some standing orders from God. You have some things that God says, it doesn't matter who you are. These are things that I've called you to do. This is my will for your life. And that's to always be joyful. Never stop praying and give thanks in all circumstances. What is a standing order? I got the definition this week. A standing order is a military order or ruling that is retained irrespective of changing conditions. No matter what's going on in your life, you're always called to be joyful. You're always called to pray. You're always called to give thanks. These are things that we control. These are choices that we make. And it may be difficult, but God has promised us the power of the Holy Spirit to obey His Word. And we know that when we obey His Word and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the fruit of the Spirit is going to give birth to this in our life. We choose today to be joyful. We choose today to pray. We choose today to be thankful. And you can say, well, what about when life gets crazy hard? I know you probably don't think I have a lot of problems in life because I'm a pastor. And I do have a good life. God's blessed us in many ways. But there's been some very heavy loads along the way. Whether it be as a, as a family or in a marriage or in the church, there's just things we've struggled with. You know, there's, there's, there's been health challenges and different things along the way. And I was thinking, what, what, you know, what, what, how can I share this being my life first? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the most probably the most honest part of my life is that, that I have struggled 
with anxiety and depression so crippling that I can't even stand up and preach. And I feel like I'm going to die. I feel like there's no hope. I've had that in my life. And maybe that's why this is my life verse. Because there's been times I've had to stand and look in the mirror and say, Daryl, today you will be joyful. You will pray. You're not going to give up. And you're going to be thankful for everything that God gives you. And there have been moments I've had to stare myself down and tell myself that. And you know what? That, that, if you go your natural way, you will be destroyed. The sadness, the worry, uh, the complaining, the fear, the guilt. I mean, if you just go the way that, well, you will be destroyed. If you choose to, think about it. If you choose to be sad, if you choose to worry, if you choose to complain, is anything going to change? Is that really helping you? No. It'll destroy you. That's why God commands us in His Word, look, be joyful. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. Always be thankful. When do I do this? What does he say? He says, always, continually, no matter the circumstances. If you could put that on the board. This is our calling. Always, continually, no matter the circumstances. Joy, prayer, thanksgiving. That is the call of our life. That is God's will for you. Those are your standing orders. And I want to tell you, I probably wouldn't be up here preaching today if this wasn't my life verse. This is a verse I live out every single day of my life. And you're called to live out too. It's not just my life verse. It's not just for the Thessalonians. It's for all of us. It may not be your life verse, but this is the will of God for you today. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me? We're going to spend some time worshiping the Lord. We're going to spend some time in prayer here quickly before we go. I know it's time to go. But I just want to pray with you today. Because I think too often we go the natural way. We just trend towards sadness and worry and complaining. God wants to give you life, an abundant life, and that comes from joy. It comes from prayer, and it comes from thanksgiving. Lord, today we just, we just wait on you in the presence of your... Spirit, your power, your work today. We, we sensed your presence, God, from the moment we began worshiping. Lord, we've heard your voice, uh, Lord, through videos and, and in prayers and, and now through your word. God, we want to we wanna follow you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We don't want to just go the natural way, the easy way, the way we've always gone. God, we want to go your way. So, Lord, today as we pray and as we worship you before we leave, God, I pray that you would restore our joy. <clears throat> God, we choose to be joyful today. God, I pray that if there's something that we've been praying for, but we've just given up praying about it because we don't think you're doing anything or we're trying to negotiate with you, God, Lord, I pray that we would never stop praying every day, God, for you to be at work. And, Lord, help us to be thankful no matter the circumstance, no matter what we face. God, we want it just to be us and you. And uh, Lord, we want it not just for this life, but for all eternity as well. So, Lord, we worship you today. We pray this and we sing this in Jesus' name.
Would you stand with me this morning as we worship the Lord?
see this in the Psalms and it's almost as though uh, and Leanne mentioned this last night that that we're you know we're, we're challenging ourselves to bless the Lord we're telling ourselves to bless the Lord bless the Lord oh my soul you know as David had to encourage himself in the Lord as Paul tells Timothy stir that thing up inside of you sometimes we need to do that in our worship in our prayer and so sometimes we have to tell ourselves you will be joyful you will pray and you will give thanks and, and I just encourage you to, to grab hold of what God says today. In just a moment, you're going to be dismissed. And there's going to be cake out there. And it's going to taste so good. But as it tastes so good, would you remember that that's really a microcosm of what God spoke today? We rejoice today that Katie and Moises are with us. It's the answer to prayer. They never stop praying. They never stop believing. And that cake is Thanksgiving. It's celebration. We, we find the joy of the Lord is our strength as we eat that cake today. That's going to be our, our celebration. Um, if you're here for the first time, we have a gift for you out there as well. If you want to follow Jesus, there's a, there's a bag up here. You can grab that. It's got a Bible, some prayers, some different things. Just keep coming back. Keep learning from God's Word. And uh, just, just give God your life and, and do that. But we're going to receive the blessing of the Lord as we go. If you want to spend a little more time with God, you can. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be out there and, and have cake. But, but here, before you go, this is so important. Don't leave church the same way. If you need prayer for something this week, I'm going to be right down here. I will pray with you. There's other people in our prayer team. If you're going through something, don't leave carrying that burden. God wants to change it, okay? So I'll meet you down here for prayer. Otherwise, I'll see you out there for cake. But may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing that rests upon us, God. Lord, that, that blessing alone should cause joy in our life. God, I, I pray that we would live a life of joy and prayer and thanksgiving this week. Help us, God, with your blessing, with your power at work in our life. And we would be able to obey your commands. And Lord, we pray that you keep us safe and strong until we can gather together again as a church and worship you. We pray this in Jesus' name.